the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Joining us tonight here on the Bible Live broadcast. We're excited to be here on this what Memorial Day weekend, we call it, right? A long weekend that we all get. And uh, uh, my buddy Al is right here beside me. Dr. Al Johnson is uh, going to discuss the scriptures with us tonight as we make our way through the entire Bible every year. We find ourselves this past week in the books. I say books, plural, of First and Second Chronicles that was originally one book, one work of history, one uh, presentation, and it was divided at the time of uh, when the, uh, the Septuagint, I believe it was, when the, when the uh, Old Testament was translated from Hebrew to Greek, they ran out of paper, I guess. The scrolls weren't long enough or something, and they had to divide First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Samuel, all of those were originally one individual works of history, and they were divided uh, into the two sections at the time of the translation of the scriptures. So uh, that's where we are. We read through chapter uh, First Chronicles, chapters five through twenty-four, but we were so intent on covering the book of Acts uh, last week that we actually didn't. We just stayed discussing Acts and all that the amazing story of the early church uh, exploding out of Jerusalem off into Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world, as it says there in the opening verses, the opening chapter of the book of Acts, that we just discussed Acts all the way up to the, um, to the end of the program last week. So we're going to introduce a little bit tonight the, uh, the book of, of Chronicles as well. And... Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll get her done. Al will come through for me. I'm sure of it. He's he's shivering in his boots now. We got We're gonna give the background uh, of the book, and then uh, we'll cover those first early chapters, five through twenty-four, first and second Chronicles. We'll give you an idea of what the book is all about, and we have a little special approach we're gonna take to the books of Chronicles. Uh, but before we do that, I do want to wish all of you. A very, very, I don't know, a happy memorial, a very uh, significant, meaningful memorial weekend. 
Uh, this is a very important day, particularly for us in Military City, USA, the city of San Antonio, with almost, I would say, now I don't know this scientifically yet, because I'm, it was years ago, the, the latest data I had about the city. At that time, a third of the population of San Antonio was either former military, military retired, or military dependents. Uh, all across. This this city is this region is made up of, of just hundreds of thousands of former military personnel and and military dependents and, and, uh, and civil service. By the way, and same is that that they're, they're military. They're active. Okay. You know, they're they're civilians, but uh, especially well, that would Kelly. even have, that would even probably increase it. But yeah. uh, I know that we this is a city that really uh, respects and reveres. The presence of um, United States military, Army, Air Force, with Navy personnel here. I don't know what Navy people are doing here. We don't have any water, hardly ever, right? But uh, here they are. Uh, we got a chance today, Al and I are part Marines. of our, our work. What? Don't we have Marines? You know, I don't see many Marines. Coast uh, Guard? Could well be. Re reservists, mostly. But uh, Marines will be training out at Fort uh, Camp Bullis if they're here. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, Coast Guard. Yeah, and of course there are plenty of retired Marines. Uh, uh, Gunny, one of the guys who works with our ministry team, is a former Gunny Sergeant of, of in the Marines. So uh, we know you're here. We honor where you. Are listening? Huh? It also depends where people are listening from. Oh yeah, yeah. As far as our program tonight yes. and so on. So well, yeah, we want to salute all of our men and women in uniform and, and uh, thank you so very much for your service and particularly honor those who gave the last, uh, that last sacrifice of devotion and they, they lost family members or they gave their own lives or, and the families here have lost uh, men and women in uniform all over, uh, all throughout our history. So we honor you and we thank you for that service, and uh, we hope that we live in a way that, that honors the sacrifices that were made for our freedoms as well. So we want to get that said, and also we want to uh, just speak a word of, of love and consolation and prayer for our listeners over uh, in Uvalde. We are we're praying for you. We we're so sorry. It is so terrible what has happened. We are all saddened. We are all grieving. Uh, and we want you to know we do love you. We're praying for you. And we know that uh, we're, we're so grateful that the, that the God of the Bible, uh, that the God that we meet and has revealed himself in these scriptures that we cover each and every week, uh, the God of the Bible cares and loves uh, families and children and uh, it's just takes, oh grave, where's your victory? Oh death, where's your sting? As Paul said in the New Testament, uh, as, as terrible as it is, as much as we grieve and as it saddens us, we do know that that we have the victory. That that is part of the redemptive plan of God is that we will be with Him forever, and uh, we trust that. In the case of all of those those children and so many that if. So many in a, in a small town, uh, Texas, small town USA, so many have heard the gospel and responded to it seriously. And so we hope that that's a great comfort to you and your families and to your entire community in these, uh, in these difficult times.
So we want you to know that, and um, now I guess we're ready to start and open up talking about the book of Chronicles. Uh, what do you know about Chronicles, Dr. Johnson? What do you know about the book? Tell me, kind of, as you, when you're reading through the Old Testament, we read first and second. There, there are three groups of books that have to do with history, particularly. Uh, you have the books of Moses uh, in the beginning, the books of the law, and then you come to uh, after after Leviticus and so on, you come to Deuteronomy, you come to Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles. Each of those books are, uh, are some of the history of the people of Israel, history of the, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we, we learn about them and so on. And uh, we, we go through all of those. So I think a lot of American Christians are a little bit at least my observation has been a little bit put off by some of the Old Testament, particularly maybe some of these books of history with its, with the emphasis of the genealogies and all of that. And uh, sometimes I think American Christians aren't don't really appreciate or don't really enjoy <coughs> these books as much as we can and get as much as we can out of them because of. Uh, I don't know for what reason, so maybe you could comment on that and give us a little background that you can share with us tonight. Well, the next book after Second Chronicles is Ezra, who happened to write uh, at right. least Chronicles. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's writing to the Jewish people after their uh, captivity of 70 years. He's giving them a rehearsal, I guess, of their history. Mm -hmm. Not a complete history, but a rehearsal. And a lot of uh, genealogy that helps them reestablish when they're going back into the land after their uh, captivity, they need to know how they're going to demonstrate the property that they have been assigned. Sure, of course. And so, uh, been, now none of these people who returned, none of the, I think there's something like 40 to 45,000 people returned from Babylon in three, I believe it's three different groupings that came over, if I remember correctly, I'm hoping I'm remembering this right, uh, that they came back to Jerusalem and they are many of, they were born in Babylon. These are Jewish men and women who were not born in the promised land, the, uh, the land of their forefathers and so on, but in Babylon. And so they need to be reminded on the one hand, of who they are, their their heritage, uh, both family and you know their lineage, and part of that is you're right. Some of them are going back to reclaim property that was uh, that they lost in their, when they were taken out into exile. Uh, their family property, homes, and so on were were taken or were abandoned. So they had to establish that that they are the owners of that property, and and yet of course at the same time. It's not all just about getting your property back. Ezra, uh, remember Ezra and Nehemiah, both of them are involved in helping, uh, in encouraging and, and aiding, assisting in the re return of these uh, exiles that were born in Babylon. So so he's teaching them about you know, the, the legality. He's also reminding them of their covenant relationship with Jehovah, with God. The, their identity as a people group is found in in uh, partially in their genealogies. They're the children of Israel, the, the 12 tribes of Israel, Jacob who went down into Egypt and so on. So all of this is about reminding them. 
Uh, what other what other things could we get out of what benefit? I I, I know I've talked to a lot of people over the years. That I tried to read you know the Old Testament, but I got the genealogies and I get all that, and it it's about these people who lived a long time ago and they're doing their you know these sacrifices and this and that and I you know it's hard to identify with. Um, give give us a little bit more there, Al, about some of your background and understanding of these passages. Well, the concept of sacrifice, animal sacrifice, began quite early. Mm-hmm. Um, God had to sacrifice an animal in order to clothe Adam and Eve following their uh, sin. Back in the garden, yeah. And um, Cain and Abel. Abel brought a proper sacrifice. And so we see a, a line of a sacrificial system throughout the Old Testament. And when, Ad, when Abraham picks up, remember, he's he's told to go sacrifice Isaac, his son, and the son of promise. And, then, and then that's a whole adventure about sacrifice and God providing... Uh, a ram for them to sacrifice. So, so this idea of uh, sacrifice, and, and that's crucial. That really is crucial to the entire understanding of the, the whole message of the scriptures, the redemptive plan of God, is all based on substitutionary atonement, which is symbolized and pictured for us in the animal sacrifice system. So that's that's a very important element. of. That's why we see it highlighted so much here, even in the book of Chronicles, the, the sacrifices, the, the, the festival days are, are remembered and the sacrifices that are involved in those. Uh, you're doing good. I'm going to give you an A+. Plus oh, I get a gold your, star? Yeah, you a gold star. <laughs> uh, so we've got the redemptive plan. We've got, uh, and the whole idea, of course, that the whole idea of a substitutionary atonement in the sacrificial system, of course, Nobody has ever been saved by the blood of bulls and goats. I mean, that, that's pointed out to us in the New Testament, the book of James, and so on, of Peter. Uh, it, those were symbolic. They were, they, were, they were a ritual acknowledgement that God is going to send a Redeemer, a Savior. The one spoken of in Genesis in the garden, I will put enmity between you, Satan, you know, and the serpent, and the, the seed of the woman. Uh, the male, the seed of the woman, that he will crush your head, but you will wound his, him in the heel. So we have this whole messianic um, picture, this this messianic expectation that is given to us throughout the scriptures. Uh, it's not going to be the blood of bulls and goats that redeem us. It's going to be a man, a perfect man of faith and trust and obedience to God who comes and has no sin to atone for himself, but he gives his life in sacrifice, substitutionary atonement for us. And, of course, that's the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior, uh, who we know now as Jesus of Nazareth, who came and fulfilled those prophecies, all those expectations. So all of that is found up in the, uh, bound up in the genealogies. Anything else that we can mention there? And the reason we mention that is because the early chapters uh, of Chronicles includes... Of chapters one, two, and three, and even into a little further as well, it's highlighted continually. Uh, these these genealogies, the, these names we're told about, that ho- hopefully you can recognize them, folks, as you're reading through. If you go to thebiblelive.com, you'll find our questions for this week. We have 44 of those names that are listed in the genealogies: Seth, Methuselah. Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Peleg, Terah, 
Abraham, Isaac, Ishmael, Keturah, Jacob or Israel, Esau or Edom, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Tamar, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Joseph, Benjamin, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Tamar. Uh, I hope you just recognize the 12 sons of, of um, Israel, of Jacob. Uh, but then these names, are they're a good way for you to think through the scriptures as well. If you can recognize those names, who they were and what they did, then you're pretty, you're pretty much along the way in terms of being able to think through the, the Old Testament, think through the Hebrew scriptures, some of the main characters that we see through that journey. Uh, and there was one other thing, maybe I could mention this one, uh, uh, Al, that I, I've always thought about, is that the genealogies reveal to us also that God is interested in individuals. I mean, it, I think it's interesting to note that God knew about who was the father of this one and that one, and then from generation to generation, and that God is not just about all big groups of people and loves the whole world, but he knows about individuals as well. He knows about this one gave birth to this one and begat this one, and this children had these children and these children. And, uh, these, that's one of the important lessons we get from the genealogies too. Each one of these people, these family, they had stories. They had stories to tell about their own faith and about their own failures and their own successes. <clears throat> and that's a very, very interesting and important thing. So the genealogies can be very helpful and instructive to us uh, from the Old Testament. And we find that the book of Chronicles starts off in the early chapters with uh, a listing of, of uh, the men and women who, uh, whose, uh, you know, whose descendants now returning to, uh, returning to Israel after the 70 years of exile. So, and what else is a characteristic of Chronicles? So that means that the book of Chronicles was probably written some perhaps 500 years before Christ. In other words, it was written later. Uh, it covers the story after it picks up, I believe, after the temple, after the, the altar is rebuilt. Uh, I, Ezra and Nehemiah have to encourage the people to stay on the job, keep their eye on the task, and uh, you know rebuild the temple and the altar and then rebuild the walls. Nehemiah supervises the rebuilding of the walls around Israel. So we, all of this is an important part of the history, an important part of even our history as God's people. Maybe that would be helpful for us to highlight too how our relationship to uh, our relationship as Gentiles, even today, two thousand years later or twenty five hundred years later, why is that important to us? Because these are our ancestors as well. They, they are our ancestors, uh, spiritual ancestors in faith, following after God and seeking God. Uh, and they, they lived at a different time in the redemptive process. The redemptive plan of God is being rolled out. Uh, they live in a different era. They're before the Messiah and we're afterwards. But the, the same message of redemption is highlighted. That they, they responded to the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They look forward to the Redeemer, the Messiah, the Savior. As we look back at the Savior we, the, as He has come, but they, they came to God by faith and trust in His goodness, His mercy, and His forgiveness that was also purchased and bought by the Messiah that they looked forward to. So that's, that's an important, important 
message for folks to understand. Uh, you know, Al and I both work with a lot of young people, uh, with um, particularly out at Lackland Air Force Base. We're involved with basic trainees going into the United States Air Force. We, our team spoke to hundreds this morning, <laughs> this very morning, hundreds of young men and women, 18 to 25 years of age in general, and letting them, uh, you know, finding out most of them, a lot of them don't know a lot about the Bible. They, they, they don't, they haven't read the Bible. They don't have a Bible. We make sure they have one and get one, and we teach them about the God of the Bible, about the redemptive plan of God, and how to walk with God and know God and begin to walk with Him. And uh, I don't know, I don't know if you have an impression from the young people about maybe that would be relative you know, important for them to understand. I, I think there's a whole generation of you know, American young people that are know less and less. I think we've become biblically um, ignorant in some ways as a culture. We've abandoned the, the book. And not, not as many people read it or, or know about it. And so I'm not sure. Would the book of Chronicles have something to say to, to a younger generation? Well, I think it would, especially if uh, they've been focusing on the New Testament. Mm -hmm. We have Matthew and Luke giving genealogies of the Messiah. Right. They both and, begin with the lengthy genealogies, right? And, yeah. and so they can tie that together with this genealogy back in, in Chronicles so that it's not just two separate books. It's the book, and it uh, describes the Messiah coming Messiah and how he's going to be preserved through this line of genealogy. The other thing that I would notice this, with this list that you put together of 44 people mm -hmm. is that they're not all Jews. And the Messiah came from a rather uh, miraculous way of God providing right. his Messiah through these people that some of them were not Jews. That's so very interesting and probably uh, uh, feel bad to have left that out. That's a very important point because it was never about one people group one either nationality or language group it was always about the world you know jesus himself said that famous verse in john three sixteen, for god so loved the world and it was always that way god was always interested in every people group every nation every tribe every language and many of these names do come from outside of israel and the, the keturah is in there so I, I just noticed real quickly ishmael is there uh, there are people from outside that, that immediate ancestry of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and people who converted to follow the true and living God uh, and, and became part of the people of God, not by uh, blood kinship, but through faith kinship, which is the most important kinship. That's how you and I are children of Abraham. We are related to him through the lineage of faith, uh, uh, the Gentile word who, world has come to know uh, God, the true and living God, through the Messiah himself. We have a kinship with these men and women, and we too are now tied into, we have been grafted into the people of God, into spiritual Israel, uh, genuine, the most real Israel, the people of God. So that's a very, very important point as you go through these names. Now we have... As I said, if you go to our website, thebiblelive.com, you'll find our notes, uh, our questions that we laid out for this week's uh, readings, 
from Chronicles chapter 5 through 24. Uh, you'll find a lot of good questions. There's study questions to help you internalize and remember uh, what we cover, what these chapters of the Bible cover. Some good questions about their importance, about the doctrines that they may present, that what they tell us about God, about ourselves, about others. And uh, we, we have to... Uh, take that into consideration as well. When we come back, I know we've got a break coming up pretty quick. I think I'd like to do something tonight, if we can. Let's see if we can identify, and I want to invite you, our listeners, to join with us if the, if you'd like to tonight. Can you find the gospel? You know, uh, is the gospel in the Hebrew Scriptures? Is the gospel, can the gospel be found in, let's say, Chronicles? Now, what Ezra is doing is reminding these people of their heritage, of their their spiritual uh, ancestry, uh, and, and the, 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 their covenant relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so we, too, ought to be able to look back and see what we ought to be able to locate and find the gospel, uh, the redemptive plan of God in the book of Chronicles. So we want to ask you folks if you can find... Uh, I think one of the most popular and well-known understandings of the gospel is the four spiritual laws. God loves you, being the first principle that comes out. Almost every page of the Bible has some expression of God's love. The problem of sin, the the problem and, and the consequences of sin in our lives as human beings. And then the solution that God has given in the Messiah, in the Redeemer, the redemptive plan of God. And then that each of us, each of us make our own decision to follow after God or to seek God or, or not to do so. The place that we're going to give God in our lives, we make that decision ourselves and by faith come into that relationship. Let's see if we can find those principles in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the plan of God, even in the Old Testament. If you can help us out with that, give us a call, 210-340-9585, 210 210- Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Where can we find the gospel, the redemptive plan of God, in the Hebrew Scriptures? Maybe even specifically here in the Book of Chronicles. We have to take a break. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878.
You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. All right. Great reminder to us here on Memorial Weekend of the fact is that uh, war and warfare and the gallantry of... We often get a question uh, out at Lackland and working with military ministry, military people about... Well, what does the Bible say about military? Is it, you know, the whole idea of war and, and violence and killing? You know, is that, and, and, and of course the Bible speaks to the reality of the human condition. Uh, it talks about um, war. Many of the great heroes, uh, Abraham was a warrior. He had, remember he took uh, folks and went, had to rescue his nephew Lot when he was kidnapped and taken uh, Joshua, of course, so very, very many others. Have you, David, a great warrior. Doing doing what you do, have you had to comfort uh, like the family of fallen? No, we have not. Uh, we're we're basically working with um, basic trainees. We are. There is some sadness in that arena, though, because there are. Uh, we've had to speak to large groups because sometimes there are some difficulties. These young people are very vulnerable and. And they sometimes get a depression, and as you know, uh, in our military services, they have to deal at times with problems, suicide, and, and and others. So we have we do have to talk to them about that, and at times comfort groups of them when something happens and, and there is a loss in their ranks. Uh, so, uh, but I'm glad, I like your reminder by that song uh, that, in, in fact, is. As followers of Jesus Christ, as, as those of us who walk with the Lord today, we we also, we're in battle. We're told uh, that we're it's a spiritual warfare we're involved in, and we have to kind of be reminded of that as well. John, in, in direct response to your question to Sophie, uh, when, a, when a soldier or a military member dies in battle or whatever reason, there's a casualty officer assigned. So we're not involved in the personal aspect of that. That's going to be chaplaincy and or a, a casualty officer is going to do that uh, initial. Uh, no, but I, I just wasn't sure if he had ever met, like, like just run into people and just had a, you know. That we have. I mean, of course, we meet people in, in Military City USA constantly who's lost men and women, lost family members and friends in, in, in battle. And, of course, even from my youth in the, in the Vietnam, Vietnam era, I I had friends that I lost and so on. So we we, we understand it. it. It's it's terrible, and yet it is. That's where the gospel is the strongest and greatest in in the, in the in that arena. When when the great last great enemy we face is death itself, and we have that victory, that assurance. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, uh, "He." Has we will never die. We'll be with him forever. That's how I. I, you know, I never knew my dad's father because he died in the Battle of the Bulge. Wow, so, you know, your grandfather. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's our great hope and and a joyful expectancy for those of the those of course who, who we know that of their 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 faith. We know about their commitment to the Lord, and they, it, it comforts us in these kinds of moments, in these difficult times as well. Should we go and take a call real quick? You bet. Let's go and visit with, I think it is Reuben on the line with us. How are you doing, Reuben? Good to hear from you. 
Uh, good evening, Keith. I'm so excited to start. Sure, appreciate your calling in. Thanks, Ruben. What do you want to? What, what kind of triggered your call? What is it? Talk about the the Old Testament scriptures, or, so, or or maybe even the whole aspect of Memorial Day and so on. What's on your mind tonight? Well, well, it's the aspect of Memorial Day, but. I don't want to bring the conversation to. Uh, I don't want to bring it down. I just, I'm, I'm just having a hard time, I guess, with what happened this past week. Of course. Um, I'm a, I'm a United States Marine. Yeah. And I fought in Desert Storm and Enduring Freedom and and um, I saw a lot of. A lot of murder. I saw murder. Yeah. Let's call it what it is. It was ugly. Yeah. I saw a lot. I saw a lot of death. A lot of killings. Um, chaplain will come around and say, "This is God's will." You know, this was God's will. And at the time, I took it. You know, and mm-hmm. throughout the years, I lived with that. You know, that this is God's will. This was God's will. When something happened bad. This was God's will. And when something bad happened again, this was God's will. And yeah. and then this happens. And the reason I'm calling this up is, could you please help me understand why people say this is God's will when, to me, this is this can't be God's will. I mean, how how can it be? It's certainly not God's will. In, in that sense, Reuben, in the sense that I know that you're taking it. I'm sorry. It, it, no, it is not God's will that anything like this would happen. That war. This is not per, God's perfect plan and will for humanity. That that He. This is a consequence. Of sin, it's a consequence of humanity's rebellion against God, and and against His plan for our our lives in the world. Now, I think what people mean, what the chaplain probably is uh, d- trying to deal with, is the fact that we live in a we live in a world where good and evil coexist. In other words, we the world that we live in. It's a closed system ruled and governed only by morally neutral natural laws, gravity, and the, you know, the laws of thermodynamics and chemistry and biology. And in other words, there are natural laws that govern the world we live in, and they are morally neutral. Uh, in other words, a bullet doesn't turn into a marshmallow when it's headed toward an innocent person or a child. Uh, it, the... the we live in a world, and good and evil coexist uh, in this world, and it's a world that indeed is, we have to say, that is God's plan. That's the world we live in. It wasn't created that way. That's the world it began. That It became that with the fall of man into sin, when when man rebels against God and rejects the idea of God's love and, and God's goodness and, and the way we should treat each other, then the world, the human race fell into the consequences of sin. Now, the, the the good part, the good message is that God has redeemed. He has, by his, sent his Savior, he sent his Son, 
And he, he has paid the penalty of our sin so that those who desire to know God and to be reconciled and made right with God and have the power of God working in them and well to, to restore them and to teach us how to love others and how to treat others as we ought, we can do that. But we live in a world where good and evil coexist. And, 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 and that, too, is for a reason, because those of us who know God, Reuben, you know, bad things happen to good people. You know, uh, John, was, yeah. John, yeah. John was just telling us how he lost his grandfather. You were just telling us about the sadness and the grief that you've faced because as, as a, a member of our uh, military forces, you, you've seen terrible, ugly things. And, and you've, you've suffered. You know, you've had to suffer. And a lot of this is you suffering because of the, the wickedness and the evil of, of even other people. And so, so this this is a world. But the difference is, and that's one thing that we as God's people can highlight is, we can go through those times of loss, those times of grief, those times of disappointment and mourning. We can go through them with hope. We can go through them with with grace and with love and and gentleness and forgiveness even. Because of God's redemptive plan. In other words, it gives us a chance. See, if if we as God's people, what if what if every time we every time someone got saved, we gave our life to Christ and we trusted in the Lord to begin a relationship with God and we're forgiven of our sins and heaven becomes our home. What if all of a sudden nothing bad ever happens to us anymore? No, we never get sick. We never have a loss. We never have a disappointment. Everything is always perfect for after that. Well, then, you know, uh, I, I suppose that some people might like that and they, wow, I want that. But but in, but in that case, we might accept the gospel. We might be willing, but we it wouldn't be because we want and desire God, God's plan and God's love, that we want to know him and we want to acknowledge God and worship God and obey God. It's just because we don't want bad things to happen to us. In other words, we we, we want to we want all the good things, but we don't want to to love God and obey God and trust God. So that's yeah. that's one reason why we have to we have to live in the same world together. And even we as God's people, we suffer as well. We have to suffer the our own wickedness, our own sin and our own disappointment. But also sometimes we're we suffer because of the evil and wickedness of other people. But the difference is yeah. that we have the power of God to walk with us through those difficulties. And, and uh, that's what we're praying for the people of Uvalde, that they would find God's mercy and God's love and God's power, even in this terrible moment of grief. Yeah, they, could, they could be comforted by God's presence and his forgiveness and his promise yeah. of eternal life. So it, it, I, yeah. I get it. It's it's hard. It's uh, it, it, we, we all have to deal with it. But in some ways, yeah. it is part of the plan of God, but not in the sense that that in any way, shape, or form that that was that God wanted that in, in, in itself. Exactly. To no way exactly. God wanted that to happen. Yeah. Exactly, and and, and um, I guess I should have 
prefaced what I said uh, with the positive. <laughs> I, I don't believe that, you know, God did this on purpose. It's just that we, we had a really hmm. heated conversation at, at a Bible study that I went to tonight. Yeah. And, you know, it got really, really heated because a lot of people have, obviously, you know, Deep, everyone, everyone, yeah. everyone has their own opinions. Yeah, deep emotional you know, responses I, to this. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, and I got I got upset because they started talking about uh, the police officers, and and um, also when I came back, uh, I became law enforcement, and I just retired uh, this uh, a year ago because I, I got shot. And I got retired. And I was retired because uh, I wasn't fit for duty, and mm-hmm. the insurance wouldn't co- cover me. Yeah. So I, I you know, you know, I, I, I'm. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is that you know, um, you know, uh, uh, bottom line is this: Memorial Day. Um, I'm proud to to be a Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. And I want to thank my fellow. Uh, uh, men and women in arms who do the hardest thing that a human being has to do, and that to give his own life for their country. And that's what thousands and thousands of, of people have done over the years. The Bible says no greater, I believe, I, 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 and this may not be verbatim, but no greater has no greater love is, has a man uh-huh. than to lay his life down for, for his friend, his yes, brother. Another, yeah. And that's what, what we've done. And yeah. um, Memorial Day, I, like I said, I just want to thank all military. Amen. And uh, just want to say a big hurrah. Amen. <laughs> Ruben, we, we, we thank you so much. Thank you so much for your service to our country in so very many ways. Not only in the military, but as a uh, as a police officer, we 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 honor you and thank you so very you very much. You, what you've you done, it's, it, and to know that you are my brother in Christ, and and that yes. that yes. just adds to the joy. But you're right. You know, it, it's it's hard. It's difficult. We all face it. It's, we live in the real world, but but then. The victory, the, we have to continually remind ourselves the victory is ours. And yet when we see something like happen in Uvalde or, or others who are hurting even tonight because of losses of their loved ones in the military or otherwise, uh, we have to love people and grieve with people and and, and as best we can just give a hug sometimes, maybe not even words. Just give a hug and say, uh, "We're with you. We love you. We understand." But the victory, yes. the victory, praise God, is ours, brother. Praise and God. We're, we're so praise glad. God. Yes. glad you called in tonight. You really made the program tonight, as, as far as that part of our program. I hope so. You I hope I didn't bring it down. But thank you for listening to me. You okay. Bet. Simper fire, bro. Uh, have a good simper fire. There you go. Simper Talk to you later. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Man. All right. What a wonderful call. Al, you need to speak a little to that. You one who spent many, many years in our United States military and served honorably and, and as well. It, it's so good to hear from uh, yeah, I, this evening from this Marine, Ruben. I spent a couple of years over in Vietnam, but I didn't uh, 
I wasn't in actual combat. I was in a combat zone, and I had to dodge a few rockets and stuff mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. But um, my hat's off. I, it's on the floor. No, it's on the table here. I'm wearing an 82nd Airborne hat, so we've got a lot of respect for our Marine Corps uh, brothers and sisters. So uh, uh, I just want to congratulate Reuben for his service, thank him for it. And uh, we remember on this weekend especially those that have paid the ultimate sacrifice uh, in their in their service to yeah, our country. Without a doubt. Well, thanks, Ruben, for calling in. That really was a, a very helpful to us at this at particular time. Let's get back to our consideration here now, though, of the book of Chronicles. Here we have Ezra trying to remind these people of their legacy, of of of. of that they are the people of God, that they... So let, let's let's just do a little bit of that. Now here, they lived, these people, the people of Israel of that era and time, they lived in it. They were surrounded by uh, idolatry. They were surrounded by false gods. They were, foul, they were surrounded by immorality, by... Uh, uh, all kinds of corruption, um, talk about dictators and cruelty uh, and, you know, murders and killing and cruelty in, in, the, in their societies around them. They were surrounded by that. That was, that, was, that was the world they lived in, yet they were supposed to carry the name of the true and living God, and they were to be faithful to that God. They were to obey God. They were to treat each other with respect. Uh, with love and with consideration. They were to share the message of the true and living God with other people around them. I mean, they had, this, was, this was an astounding, amazing burden and amazing calling on them as a people group, uh, the, the people who knew about God and, and wanted to live for God. Now, it's the same calling we have today as God's people today. We're, 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 we're to be... We're to treat people with love and respect and with patience and with kindness. And, and we're also to insist on, on righteousness, on justice and, 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 and goodness in, in, uh, in the society, whether it be from crime or, or uh, any kind of bigotry or prejudices and so on and that sort of thing. So we, we, we have a, a high calling on our lives today as well. And I think the book of Chronicles can also be a reminder to us, don't you think, in some ways of, of, of our purpose as God's people in the world today. We have that same challenge, to, and, and I'm not sure how good a job we're, do, we're doing of it. It seems like our nation, our own country seems to be moving further and further away from those principles of faith and, and, and the truth of God's word and, and, and faith and trust in God and obeying God, um, maybe that would be another way that the book of Chronicles is relevant to us today in the times that we are living in. These people had a high challenge to their lives, and so do we. So the uh, reminder that I get from going through the Old Testament is the, the whole Old Testament is a rehearsal for the Messiah. So all of the sacrificial system, the feasts and festivals, the spring and fall, have a purpose for God to help the people recognize when the Messiah comes. So the Day of Atonement is what Jesus did. He atoned for mankind's sin. Mm -hmm. And that symbolic thing that we talk about in Yom Kippur is there were two goats. One was actually sacrificed, mm -hmm. and the other goat had the symbolic sins of the nation of Israel placed on him 
and he was driven into or taken into the wilderness so their sins were separated mm-hmm. from them, like Jeremiah 31 mm-hmm. or Psalm uh, 109. As far as the east is from the west, right? Something like that. So I, it's interesting for me to, to look at the continual rehearsal of the uh, uh, Passover system that is still taken by the, uh, the Jewish people today are observing it. Next year in Jerusalem mm-hmm. is their mm-hmm. final phrase. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but our Messiah has come, and he's fulfilled all of the prophecies about him. The, as John the Baptist called him, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But those were important rehearsals, whether it's in the Garden of Eden with uh, Cain and, with Adam and Eve or with Cain and Abel when Abel brought the Lamb. Those rehearsals, they kept this clarity that God's redemptive plan was going to be based on substitutionary atonement. I'm going to send a substitute. It's going to be a man. It's not going to be an extraterrestrial. It's not going to be an angel. It's not going to be an animal. I'm going to a man, a seed of the woman who is going to crush the head of Satan, even though he himself would be wounded in the heel in that sense. So we've got this picture all through the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament of, of this redemptive process that God is, uh, you know, the life is in the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. We we clearly, even in the Old Testament, you can actually, we, we talk about the four spiritual laws. God loves you. There's a problem of sin. God has provided, for, uh, made a provision for that sin in the, by sending his own son who, who took our, sin, our sins upon himself. But that that gospel is right there in the Hebrew scriptures as well. It's, it was there all along. They came to God by faith and trust in God's grace and God's love, God's forgiveness, uh, as symbolized through that sacrifice, when, uh, whether it's Yom Kippur or just during the year at the other festival days, or they would just bring a lamb. And, and when the priest put his head, hands on the head of the repentant person, the man or wife or the family, and he transposed that sin symbolically to that animal, and, the, and then they had to watch an animal die. And this was a constant testimony to the seriousness, the gravity of sin. Sin destroys God's creation. Sin took men and, and brought us and made us separated from, from the God who created us for himself. Sin is deadly, it's harmful, it's destructive, and, and they would see the destructive results and the consequences of sin very graphically whenever the animal was slain. And so we... Um, we have all of that in, in Chronicles. This is all a part of what Ezra is reminding the people of Israel of there in in Jerusalem. They've returned from bondage over 70 years in bondage in exile over in Babylon. And now he's reminding them of that, that they belong to God and that God is a holy God and that uh, our sins can that God has made a provision to forgive and cleanse sins. It's part of that. And it, it was like you say, it's that constant looking forward to that ultimate, the true Lamb of God, uh, as we we saw the animal sacrifices. So uh, the book of Chronicles, is it's a great reminder, I think, for us, uh, even at this time, to realize, too, that we, that same gospel message is being presented, they're being reminded of it, and when they got in trouble is when they forgot that redemptive plan of God, and they walked away from God. 
And uh, we need to remember that as well as God's people today here in the 21st century in the United States of America, the great state of Texas. So there's our music. John, a good choice of music there. We're going to take our final break and come back for our final segment. We'll continue to consider some of the specific things that we find in the book of Chronicles when we come back from our break. So please don't go away. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. We'd love to hear from you if you have a thought about the great book of books here that we're covering and talking about, the book of Chronicles, or maybe on the thought as Reuben called in, something on your heart and mind about this past week, the things that we've seen happen, and about this Memorial Weekend. We'd love to hear from you. Be a part of the program. Don't go away. Is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar? I had not heard that before, John. This is interesting. Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. He wrote it after 9 11. After 9 11. Song about freedom. I have prayed for Paul McCartney for, I suppose, almost 50 years. Uh, I really have. I mean, sincerely, we, uh, I was a member of a uh, Campus Crusade music group for many years in, in Europe. We toured. And as part of a music ministry, we shared the gospel through music all across Europe and different countries constantly, and uh, a couple of years at least. And uh, I, we, some of our Bible studies, we... There's a couple of things that we made, a couple of decisions we made. One time, the the director of the group, there's a seven-member band, and so it wasn't like an orchestra or a choir or anything. It was just uh, kind of a little rock and roll band. You know, I play bass guitar and drums and guitar and lead singer and so on in the band. And we just, that was it. It was an amazing time sharing the gospel and music across Europe. Uh, Suzanne and I were both in the group. We were a young married couple, no children. Just suffering for Jesus, <laughs> we were roaming across Europe and sharing the gospel. It was just an amazing couple of years time just almost every every week, three or four or five different concerts every week you, you know this if this is Tuesday, it must be Brussels you know it must be we it, it was an amazing time but um i one of the Bible studies we had the director of the of the, the the team. We had Bible study almost every day together in the mornings and then um, 
So and he, one time he said, why, why don't we all, let's all choose somebody from the music world that we're going to pray for for the rest of our lives, that we're going to pray for them. And so I, and everybody did, We and I have been praying for Barbara Streisand, for, for um, John Denver, now John Denver is gone already, and for Paul McCartney all these years, praying for their souls, praying for their heart, praying for that God will find them and bring them to himself. So uh, it's so good to hear that song. Um, actually, very interestingly, I, when I, I prayed for McCartney all those years, and, and interestingly, a friend of mine from um, Italy, he's on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ. In Italy, while I was on, we eventually joined the staff of Campus Crusade in, in Spain. And this friend of ours was a single guy over in Italy. And long story short, he met a uh, uh, a young lady who came over from the States who had come to faith in Christ through one of our executive ministry uh, events up in New York City. And she had come to faith from there. And she went as part, you know, she knew about Campus Crusade. She, their their family is very wealthy and they had a villa in Italy and she went over. So she decided one day, I'm going to, I'm going to go into Rome and I, I want to, I want to meet, I want to see what Campus Crusade is doing here in Italy. And so she went, and and she met uh, my friend there, and and he he was the acting director of the ministry in Italy at the time. So they met, and long story short, they fell in love and got married. And she she was Paul McCartney's sister-in-law. Paul McCartney's first wife was her sister. And so... Linda's? Linda McCartney. Linda's sister, Laura, married a Campus Crusade staff member. So they spent all the holidays, Christmas and Easter, with as family. They, so my prayer was, and, and I learned later that, yes, indeed, he did share the gospel with Paul, and they did talk about God and spiritual things. And um, there was no expression, you know, the decision to trust Christ. But we keep praying, you know, maybe there's something that God... Uh, somehow would touch his heart and maybe he has and we don't know about it but it's just it's so interesting to hear that song and to know and that's part of our role as god's people is to pray for the world around us and pray for those you know when you see that politician on the on the tv that you don't like and you just can't instead of throwing the shoe at the tv you know well, that person is still a, a child of God. Still, still pray for them. He's a creation of a yeah. And so we try to pray for them. I, I don't always do a good job. I'm not the best um, the model of it in, the, in, my, in my world. I get upset sometimes as well. But uh, it just is that reminder to us that our role is to be God's people. And, and we need to continue, just as the people of, of Israel had to remember their role their calling on their life in a hostile and idolatrous, corrupt, cruel world, their role was to hold up the name of God, the true and living God, and and keep uh, the worship of God and the knowledge of God alive in, in their world, and even though they were surrounded by uh, hostility and rejection uh, of God. But they, and, but they had some success. There were always some who, tr- as you pointed out in, in the... Uh, genealogies uh, that we see these names there are a number of them that are not jewish people they came to faith in in the god of abraham isaac and jacob 
through the witness of God's people. And that's that's the lesson. That's what we can pick up, I think, part of at least from the book of Chronicles. We see a people that is being challenged and encouraged and reminded of their of their calling, of their relationship to God, and their calling to represent Him to to the nations, to other people around them. Uh, you had something you said you thought you might want to address in this segment as well about about the Chronicles. Well, I also just saw Boaz's name. Uh huh. Of course. The fact that Ruth, Ruth, not a Jew, a Moabitess, in fact. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, the line of uh, Jesus came through Ruth and Boaz. Um, we're not sure about Bathsheba, to be honest. She married Uriah the Hittite, uh, so even uh, David's wife, Bathsheba, one of his wives. Uh, of course, Abigail is there as well. Remember Abigail, the first wife of David. So in there, so hopefully we're recognizing these names, folks, as we mention them. Hopefully they bring back the stories of the scriptures and of God's people and incidents and you know occasions we have to learn from their from their experiences, from their examples. Well, the, the festivals and feasts are a, a pretty important part of the Old Testament mm-hmm. for us to be aware of as believers. And most, Ezra reminds them of those in, the, in these passages, yeah. Most American Christians, and probably true of many uh, Christians around the world, are not uh, big students of the Old Testament, typically. And th- that's a sad uh, story for, from my perspective. We need to know that whole book. We need to know why the Old Testament is pointing to the Messiah mm-hmm. and why the New Testament is pointing out that he arrived. And so we're looking back. They're looking forward. And uh, all of those feasts, the uh, first fruits and Pentecost and weeks and trumpets and Day of Atonement and mm-hmm. Tabernacles and Succoth and Passover, uh, all had a role that God, this is not an accidental system of sacrifice. This is God determining in advance what he wants from them in obedience and blood sacrifice because the Messiah is coming to pay that one time. Mm -hmm. And he did. And so we look forward to each year when the Jews celebrate Yom Kippur, we are celebrating the Day of Atonement when Jesus was crucified. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The real real day of, uh, in a sense, when the Day of Atonement reaches its maximum expression in the Lamb of God himself. Yeah, that is is so true. And, And, uh, and, the, and those festival days can certainly... Yeah, that's one of the first things that God gave the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. Remember, they were a nation of slaves. A slave doesn't need a calendar. <laughs> a slave doesn't determine, you know, the day off or this or that or the other. Only a free people. And so one of the first things God gives the people of Israel is a calendar to remind them in special days. And almost all of the days are celebrations. They're not sad and somber. They're days of let's let's you know let's have a barbecue. Let's eat together as a family. Let's rejoice. Almost all of them. Now there are a couple of the, that are somber and, and important, and then they're, but most of them are heavily weighted to celebration and joy, uh, the joy of the Lord being expressed through those through those festival days, and, and that's all part of what all part of what Ezra. And Nehemiah and, and the leaders there are trying to remind the people who have returned from exile. Remember, the very reason they went into exile is because they abandoned laws of God and they disobeyed God and did terrible, wicked things. And, and, and they suffered the consequences. God had been telling them for centuries, if you do this, you do this, do this, the consequences of your sin will be 
terrible and warning them and calling them to repent. And and just as the same way is going on to the same things happening in our own nation today, uh, many of God's people and the leaders that we see publicly, whether they're uh, spiritual, you know, Christian or, or religious leaders or those from, from popular society, there are musicians, there are uh, athletes who follow after God, and they're and so and even in our political leadership, there are men and women who love God and are trying to call us to uh, return again. And, and, of course, as you said, some people are making fun of that. They're saying, oh, you know, I've had it with your prayers. You know, this. But the point is, this, we just need to get right with God. <laughs> we just need to come back to our faith. And those of you listening tonight, if, if you're out there stumbling and struggling and you've been kind of giving in and compromising uh, uh, goodness and so on and walking away from God, the, the call is clear. The, we need to repent, turn away from our sin, to turn back to God, to seek God's forgiveness and cleansing, and, and let God do a work in our lives to change the way we respond, to change the way we are living, if need be. And if if we're into different habits and lifestyles that, that are dishonoring to God and that hurt people, we need to turn away from those and repent. That, the, the call to repentance is real, and it is very necessary, and it, it is... So important because simply because salvation, redemption does exist. There, God promises to restore us, to forgive us and cleanse us and restore us. And and and, but it, it takes that step of repentance that we need to turn to God away from our sin and selfishness. And uh, but but God will hear from heaven. He will forgive our land, heal uh, our, our forgive our sin and heal our land. As he has said, well, let's let's look at some more of these. I, I guess we're getting carried away with a little bit. I'm not trying to get into preaching mode, but we are looking. All of this is really a part of Chronicles. This is what Ezra, Nehemiah, they were here. It, they end up the book, and we'll see it when we get to it. That uh, crying out in the rain. I mean, there's a, a tremendous revival service, and, and people respond and weep, and they hear God's word being read to them by Ezra and um, it is uh, this is a tremendous moment to look into the life of a people trying to turn back to God trying to in their moment in the time that they have now we can't do that for past generations and we can't do it for future but we can do it for our own generation we can take a stand and turn back to God and, and encourage our families and get back in our churches uh, get healthy congregations and truly worshiping God and serving God and loving others. And uh, I think we're seeing a lot of good things. I'm excited just from the things we've seen over the last year, uh, um, Al, with, with the National Day of Prayer and all. There seems to be a seriousness. God's people do seem to be praying and interceding and wanting uh, to turn back to God. And so... Um, there's some hope. There, I, I believe there is hope that no, God is moving amongst us. It's actually our only hope. He really is. And with as much evil as we see, if you pay attention to the news, you can't help but notice that it's evil that's reported on. It's not. You don't have many uh, good things happening. And so whenever we have an episode like happened over in Uvalde t- uh, this week, it's filled. That, that man's heart was filled with evil. Mm-hmm. And he needed, to, mm-hmm. he needed a right relationship with God if, we don't need any more laws. We already know that murder is against the law. 
And so we can add on more laws and more laws and more laws. He needs his heart changed. His heart needs to be changed in our country, each individual. If we are following God's laws, if we just follow the Ten Commandments, wouldn't that be a beautiful picture of our society? Mm. Just ten. The respect for life, the, you know, that life is precious. And uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We've we've fallen we've fallen a great distance, and yet God says He'll He'll forgive, He'll cleanse, He'll heal our land. We've got to take that seriously. It's part. It's we've seen it happen. We saw it happen. People of Israel suffered both sides of that. They saw the judgment of God. They saw the restorative, forgiving side. We can see that as well, and, and, and it can happen in our in our world, in, in our generation as well. Well, what else can we talk about? Just, uh, just giving, we're only covering First Chronicles here. Now, remember that Chronicles is a, cho- it's a selected history that Ezra is bringing about to remind the people of Israel of, the, of who they are, of their, their legacy, their heritage of faith, that, God, that God's calling on their lives. And uh, so it, it, he doesn't, it doesn't cover the kings of Israel in the north. It only covers the kings that from the lineage of David. And it, in other words, the lineage through which the Messiah was going to come is promised to come through the lineage of David. So he only covers the kings of David. He doesn't, uh, doesn't necessarily cover all of the terrible things and wicked things. He's trying to uplift the people. He's trying to encourage them. He doesn't cover up the warts. He doesn't cover up the sins of, of some of their leaders and sometimes in their history. But he doesn't major on them. And, and just uh, on every, I don't think that, that David's big sin with Bathsheba, his adultery and so on, is, is covered. But it's not that he's trying to cover up the sins of people, but he's trying to highlight a message of hope and forgiveness and restoration uh, and to lift up the people. And uh, so we see that in, as part of the characteristic of the book of Chronicles as well. Now, in terms of the specific stories told, um, there's there's some very interesting stories. We we see the story of Saul, uh, the king before David. You see his death and his three sons are killed. Uh, Jonathan, David's dear friend Jonathan, is killed in battle. And... Uh, we see that as part of we see some of David's uh, leaders, his Joab, his his commanding general is introduced to us. And Joab was a piece of work. I tell you, he was a he was a military guy. Uh, he he certainly did a job of defending his king and his nation and uh, a very maybe a little over exuberant about it. It seems like at times. But anyway, we we see the story of Joab. Uh, we hear about David's fleeing uh, the Ark of the Covenant, moving the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. I love that story uh, of not of Uzzah touching the Ark and, and dying, because, but remember that story of they had to, they had to store the, the in chapter 13 of First Chronicles, they had to store the, the Ark of the Covenant after David's failed attempt to get it moved into Jerusalem. They had to store it somewhere while they kind of regrouped and kind of got their act together. And they stored it in the home of this fellow named Obed-Adom. And he was a Levite. 
and he offered his home to store the the Ark of the Covenant there. And remember how the Ark of the Covenant was such a curse and such a hardship on the people, the Philistines, who had you know kind of captured the Ark of the Covenant in battle. Uh, the people of Israel were guilty of using the Ark of the Covenant as uh, just a kind of a rabbit's foot, like a piece of superstition, and they shouldn't have done that. And the, the Ark of the Covenant got captured, but then they they got so God's hand of judgment was so heavy on them that they said, "Get the Ark out of here. We we don't want it." And so they sent it back to the people of Israel. Well, uh, well, here Obed-Edom keeps the Ark of the Covenant in his home, and we're told that God blesses his home and his family. He has eight sons and 54 grandsons. And it's a, in Scripture it's attributed that that's the reason for that was God was blessing him for being willing to keep the Ark of the Covenant in his home. And and, and so I, I think that's a, that's a... I like that picture. Of course, I'm a big... I'm a big sucker for family. I think family is is the greatest thing in the world. So uh, we've got that. What else do we? What else could we? The Ark of the Covenant is transported back into Jerusalem with great celebration. Uh, David successfully gets the Ark of the Covenant in. the 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 temple is still not there. The temple doesn't come into existence until Solomon. David isn't allowed to build the temple, uh, but he did. He does help finance it for sure. So they put the uh, temple in, in, in a tent there in Jerusalem until until Solomon completes the temple. What, what else would you point out? What's kind of an interesting aspect? Of, could be an interesting story that we could mention here in the book of Chronicles that people might kind of remind them of this story and might encourage them to read read with us. Join with us. This coming week, we're going to continue through the books of Chronicles. So if you want to go to thebiblelive.com, thebiblelive.com, or just biblelive.com, uh, I'll read uh, Monday through Friday. I'll read the scriptures to you, a 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures every weekday. And then next Sunday night, we'll talk about those passages that we read together. I would certainly invite you and encourage you to join us. If you haven't got a plan you're already following to read through the scriptures, let me read the Bible to you. And you can just relax and enjoy and listen to God's word or maybe follow along in your own Bible. But uh, helping you get into God's word and to make your way through it every year as we go all through from Genesis all the way to the book of the Revelation. Uh, every year, making our way through the Bible. What? Anything else you could mention here, Doctor Johnson? About well, I noticed that there is uh, a name missing, Zerubbabel. A Zerubbabel, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And so, from a little historical perspective, he was sent back early, and then we had Ezra and the, trying mm-hmm. to rebuild the walls, and, and Nehemiah with the walls. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so these guys are contemporaries of Jeremiah and Daniel, mm-hmm. and we don't sometimes have that picture in our mind we just think it's disjointed people with a name and a prophet but there's a timeline yeah and uh so daniel was aware of jeremiah's prophecy that they would be there for 70 years and remember daniel was over there in babylon he had been taken with the first group so yeah yeah, go ahead well i was just it's it's helpful sometimes to yeah put those pieces of history together so we know who the players are and how they knew each other or knew about each yeah. other or knew about I, each other. I'm kind of surprised that Daniel didn't return, but I'm guessing at this time he was way up in years. You know, it might have, might have been impossible for him to make that kind of a journey. Uh, of course, this is, um, I've forgotten how many miles, but it was a lot of, a thousand miles or so to get back over to. It's certainly they had to go the, over the, the Fertile Crescent and then down again into Canaan. 
farther than here to El Paso. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and they didn't have uh, vehicles to go in either. So, okay, yeah, that's a good good word. Remember Daniel's role in this? He was part of the part of the reason they were able to return was because Daniel probably had his influence over the emperors, five emperors of of uh, Persia that Daniel had an influence in them over his many years of life and ministry. So, yeah, the, all of that's important to remember. And so Rubabel brought the first group over um, from uh, Babylon over into back to the, the Promised Land. And um, that's to be remembered. And you, you're right. That was uh, Ezekiel was back in that era, Jeremiah. So these aren't disjointed. You have to remember that these them coming back from Babylon was part of that that whole episode, that whole journey that God keeping them 70 years and then allowing them through, as it was prophesied by Daniel and others, they would be allowed to return, which was very, very unusual for these emperors to allow these exiled people they took captive to return. And yet it happened here because God or had ordained it and predicted it, and it did happen. Well, there we're, we're going to continue through the books of 1st and 2nd Chronicles all this week. Join with us, and then next Sunday night we'll get back together and talk about it again. God bless everyone. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.